0: Hey, guys, we're doing something a little bit different this week because Scott finally got that vacation.
1: I'm so excited. I'm not sure if I'm going to go to the beach or not, but at least we won't be in the studio or we're not today. So we're going to let uh, let our listeners listen to something that we've done in the past that we're really proud of. Right, Katie?
0: Exactly. So without further ado, please enjoy a rerun.
1: Have a good time, everybody.
2: Welcome to True Crime on Easy Street. We're here live this week from Easy Street. I'm Katie Givens, and I am not a lawyer.
0: I'm Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor.
1: I'm Scott Ryder, and I'm a mediocre journalist. And I almost forgot that we were supposed to do that when the show started. I'm glad it was Katie's introduction and not mine because I'd forgotten that that's how we introduced ourselves to everyone. So
2: we haven't recorded in a few weeks, not to break the fourth wall, but we haven't been here a few weeks. <laughs> well, Scott's been on
0: vacation forever.
1: No, wait a minute.
0: Uh, Katie so. went on
1: vacation the week before I did.
0: Okay, well, all right. And then well, I
1: went on vacation, and
0: then I didn't
1: get to. And now she's playing music that has nothing to uh, do with I, the show. I, I, we're
0: just saying to leave it, it, it in. Leave that, it in. That's hilarious. That happened the other night at the live show. It Uh-oh. just like bla- it was blaring you right in the middle touchy. of the live show. Right. But I got to say that our live show, Scott. I know you weren't there. Yeah,
1: I'm. 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 Not, I'm not sure how curious I am to hear about how well this show went without that, me.
0: The, the case was.
1: I read. Katie's notes. Wow! I read them <laughs> earlier today about the show itself and the topic mm-hmm. of the show and I was fascinated by it. I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. But back to the show go.
0: Oh, we had a great crowd. We did. We had some really? folks who are actually Is it there because to they knew the I podcast. wasn't gonna be there? No, I think I think finally people are realizing that um if I go every other Wednesday to listen to the podcast. Right. We only had I think there was one table that, you know, you get the the look, like what are they what, doing? Yeah, and where's then, the music and at? And then you mm-hmm. see, and then you see, you know, after we start talking, and then you see them, and they're like,
1: <sighs> <laughs> "This is gonna go on." For what a if while. we signed up for
0: you? <laughs> Hurry up and finish your dinner.
1: <laughs> Check, please.
0: But we did have some good tables and some good participation. And for the first time, we put a mic out into the audience yes. and had someone who actually kind of figured out the whole plot of everything. Okay, uh, this was um, did Shane like, so steal dug, the show?
1: I'm assuming yes. Of course, but
0: we d- we dug into the bowels of Alabama history for this particular we did okay what, live show that we did, and and so it was uh, it was a lot of fun. But we did miss you.
1: You all right a lot just stop it
0: mm-hmm. we did we I, know you didn't miss us
1: because you no, were you
2: didn't having the
0: time us. of your life i was
1: having the time of my life in pittsburgh pennsylvania we'll talk about that in the next show but yeah okay. i had a great time
0: okay well i'm glad and i'm glad yes. that you're back and i'm glad me too katie's back from vacation and i'm glad that everybody took a vacation but me but whatever
1: <laughs> i'm not jealous <laughs> yeah bitter. you are you just brought it up
0: i'm not bitter at all no um so we're so happy to be here
1: yes I mean, I can't believe we're still here. I mean, it's been what? We've done 10 or 12 of these now?
0: This is this is going to be episode 11. Is this
1: 11? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and nobody has... I mean, thank goodness. Uh, uh, the folks down at Easy Street Bar Performance Hall and... Shit, I did it Restaurant. wrong again. Restaurant, <laughs> Bar, and Performance Hall. Damn it, Kelly. Um, they are our sponsors through thick and thin, even when we all do take a two-week vacation. So uh, as long as they keep throwing money at us, uh, we'll keep spending it. Actually, they don't throw any money at us at all. I say,
0: where is it at? Yeah. Oh, oh, that was all up front
1: with the equipment. Yeah, Scott, are I'm not, you not getting, getting any either. Are you
0: getting paid for this? No, let okay. me rephrase that. All right, thank you. No. I was about to have a lot of <laughs> questions for the Easy Street crew. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but no, we had a we had a great time and we're, we're glad to be here. We're glad to be back, back on track. We've got a case for you today that is... How would you describe this case, Scott, in one word? Bonkers. All right. Oh, right. Okay.
1: <laughs> I okay. Re- I don't know why I was ready for that you question. You are ready. Bonkers. Okay, well. All right, uh, here we go. Uh, let's get started. Okay, so before we get started, this, this is a case that takes place, again, we're right here in Northeast Alabama. This happens in the Mintone area of Northeast Alabama. And if you don't know where that is, find us, the ABC triangle between uh, Atlanta, Birmingham, and Chattanooga, and go 40 miles North. And it's this little mountain community. Uh, it's a, I think, isn't there snow skiing there in the wintertime? Yes, I've never a, done it.
2: Well, there's snow skiing in Cloudland. Mintone's a beautiful
1: place. Yes, it is. There's a couple of great little restaurants. It's a nice little uh, downtown area. Anyway, that's where this case starts. And uh, before we get started, we I mentioned that it's January of the year 2000. So here are a couple of things that were going on in the year 2000 when this case was uh, in the news. Everybody heard of Tom Brady? Yes. He's won a couple of Super Bowls, I think actually seven by now, but back then he was a senior at the University of Michigan. And in his final collegiate uh, appearance in the Orange Bowl against the University of Alabama... He threw for a career high, 369 yards and four touchdowns. And the Michigan Wolverines beat the Alabama Crimson Tide 35 to 34 in overtime in the first ever BCS Bowl game that went into overtime after they changed the rules. So, Tom got off to a good start in his last uh, collegiate game and then, you know, kind of mopped it up in the pros after that. So, that happened in January of 2000. Uh, I always try to find something that Katie and I can commiserate on and this happened mm-hmm. in two thousand. We we're both Cedar Bluff High School graduates. And the Lady Tigers won their first ever state championship in track in two thousand. And yes. current assistant district attorney, Summer McQuarter, was on that team.
2: I was in kindergarten in two th- year the year two thousand, but I was also a part of several state championship that came track and later, field teams later on. Here's where the foundation That's where was it laid. Started. They it's, ran up and down that hill by the gym.
1: I love it. Uh, the year 2000 craze, the Y2K craze had just ended uh, in January of 2000. All the commuters did not reset to 1900 and we, the whole world didn't go dark like everybody was afraid it was going to, so that was fine. Uh, the Sony PlayStation 2 was released in March of 2000, followed in August by the Nintendo GameCube. If you have one of those in a closet somewhere, it's 21 years old now. So it's time to move that along and and upgrade your gaming equipment. And the last thing I'll bring up, I've got several more until I get to the music, because you mentioned, uh, Kelly, last time that you wanted me to talk about music some more when I didn't the last time we were all together. The last thing before that, Dale Earnhardt Sr., you guys know I'm a NASCAR fan. Shut up, I don't want to hear it. (laughs) His last ever NASCAR victory was in October of 2000 at Talladega Super Speedway. And, uh, he was sadly killed in February of 2001 at the Daytona 500 on the last lap, but his last win, win number 76 in his career at Talladega in October of 2000. And uh, some of the songs on the charts, Bye, Bye, Bye by NSYNC. Ooh, that
2: that yeah. good one. I still know the dance.
1: Uh, Smooth by Santana featuring yeah. Rob Thomas. Loves, loves and it. Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Ooh. Spears. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Three oops, Brittany. I did it again.
1: We talked about her a couple of weeks ago and oops, now we've done it again. So yep, we have. let's mark all that off. <laughs> uh, so the story begins in the the place that I got most of my research and I'd love to meet this lady if she's still around. She wrote a book in 2004 called Blood Highway. Her name is Sheila Johnson and she was a reporter over in DeKalb County where all this took place. And DeKalb County is the county uh, the county that is adjacent to us here in Cherokee County. Uh, and go back to my ABC uh, reference to find us if you'd like. Um And this story starts in a ditch. Imagine that you are soaking wet, probably about to go into shock. You're shaking, you're shivering, you're injured, and you're laying in a ditch. That's where this episode starts. The man's name was Don Perch. He was a native of the area up around Mentone. And when he finally started tumbling through the air, aching all over, covered in mud and snow and ice, He was in a ditch on the side of the road. And what had happened to him was that just a couple of minutes before, he and his wife had been driving their pickup truck along the road in the Mintone area. And there was an ice storm happening on January the 23rd, 2000, up on Lookout Mountain and on Sand Mountain, but mostly on Lookout Mountain. And that's the mountain that is near of the two of them to us, where we sit in Cherokee County. I-59 runs down the valley between those two mountains. And that's where Fort Payne is located. So if you're in Alabama, if you're a fan of the Supergroup Alabama, you know they're from Fort Payne and we're all in this area here together. So Don Perch had just been thrown from the hood of a speeding car because a few seconds before, a a car had bumped into the rear of the truck he was riding in with his wife. And so he pulled over on the side of the road, assuming that the guy just hit a patch of ice. Like I said, there's ice and snow everywhere. He thinks they're going to get out and exchange insurance information and go on about their business. When Don walks around the front of this pickup truck, the car guns its engine, backs up, and comes right at him. He finds himself on the hood of the car, speeding down the road. His wife is screaming behind them, what's going on? Don is screaming much the same thing from the hood of the car into the windshield where this large man with eyes that he described later as the eyes of a madman is giving him the bird As he drives down, this is three birds in two weeks for us.
0: That's insult to injury him. And you're already running him over with your car. Do you really have to give him the bird?
1: Well, remember I said bonkers when you asked. Okay. This man, this large man inside this light blue Lincoln Town car, extends his middle finger, jerks the wheel hard to the left, and that's when Don Perch goes flying through the air and lands in the ditch, and that's where this story started. His wife runs over to him and he says, honey, go find some help. I'm injured. I can't get up. And the car disappears over a hill and continues down the road that it's on. A few minutes later, a man named James Pumphrey, P-U-M-P-H-R-E-Y, and his wife, Sue, are having dinner in their modest mobile home further down that same county road. Uh, it's been a long day for them. They have a well behind their house, and so they've spent the entire day pumping water out of their well to distribute to their neighbors who are on city water and don't have water, or maybe maybe they're on city water and their neighbors who have wells and don't have electricity. I guess that would be the way that would work, right? Whoever can get water because the electricity is out, because the electricity is out all over Lookout Mountain because of this ice storm, or it's in the process of going out. Trees are falling. We, we know how it works around here. I mean, when there's too much ice on the trees, it starts to fall into the power lines and, and they touch and the transformers blow and it's two days before you have power again. That's what's happening in January of 2000 up on Lookout Mountain when Hayward W. Bissell, I'll just go ahead and give that away, decided to drive through town like a madman. So a few minutes after Don ends up in the ditch, James is looking out the window. They're doing dishes. They've had a long day. They're just, they're trying to unwind and get to the end of the night. They're getting out their candles, expecting their power to go out at any moment. And he looks out the window of his kitchen and he sees this light blue Lincoln town car parked in the driveway of a field across the road from his house. The gates flung open, the trunks up and he notices that there's a very large man headed towards his down his driveway and towards his front door. And James and Sue Pumphrey have these two large chocolate labs. And if you like pets, you're not going to like how this story ends. Oh no. Yo, yeah.
0: All right, everybody.
1: So for the first disclaimer.
0: time, disclaimer, yeah,
1: yes. For the first time in these dogs lives, they go nuts when they see this guy coming.
0: Cause they never, that
1: of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, what do dogs know that we don't know? I mean, you know, what can they smell that we can't smell? Anyway, whatever it was, they go nuts. And this man, Hayward Bissell, is trying, he, he's walking towards towards the front door of the Pumphrey home, and James steps out onto the porch and says, are you okay? Did my dogs bite you? Because he can see that he's covered in blood. His shirt's covered in blood. His hands are covered in blood. His arms, he's got blood all over him. And just about that time, one of his dogs Yelps and runs around the house. It turns out Hayward Bissell has a long knife in his hand that he hasn't exposed to anyone yet, and he stabbed that dog right then.
0: Oh, good gracious.
1: And before James Pumphrey can figure out what's going on, he said everything started to happen really fast when that happened. Before he realizes what's happening, Hayward Bissell is up on the porch, and James has been stabbed in the stomach. And his insides are protruding out of the five inch hole in his abdomen at that point he doesn't know that for hours but that's what's happening and james runs back into the house and yells at his wife sue don't let that man in shut the door i've been stabbed before sue can get to the door to shut it hayward bissell reaches in and grabs her by the neck and tries to pull her out the door. And that's when Sue looked into his eyes. And she says something very similar to what, my my arms are tingling right now.
0: I'm terrified
1: right now. uh, Everything that John Perch said about Hayward Bissell's eyes, Sue confirmed. She said he had no soul. Oh my goodness. And so it is at that point that the other Labrador, full grown Labradors, Sue said later, those dogs gave their lives for us to live. Oh. Yeah. So the other dog, one is Coco and one is Reese. They're both brown chocolate labs. Uh, I think Coco died first and then Reese attacks Bissell around the hands and arms and he ends up stabbed and dead. But that distraction allows the Pumphreys enough time to shut the door and lock it and go into the bedroom and grab a twenty two rifle off of the uh, gun rack and get back to the door. And as... Bissell is trying to get in. They point the gun at him. And he says, okay, don't shoot me. I'm leaving. And runs back to his car, throws his fat ass in, and drives away.
0: So, you you keep talking about this a very large man.
1: six four, four hundred 400 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Not small.
0: I was not- four, Like four, 400 four,
1: zero, zero.
0: four hundred pounds. Yes, ma'am. Six, four. And obviously- Pretty quick.
1: That's what Mrs. Jackson reported in her book, and I have no reason to disbelieve her. Yeah, 6'4", 400. He's
0: he's moving that 400 pounds around. He's moving it. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. So he's fended off two dogs, killed them both, tried to kill... He's already tried to kill Don Perch with his car, and now he's tried to kill James Pumphrey with his uh, long knife... And now he's back into the car.
0: But for whatever reason, realizes, I can't bring this knife to this gunfight and runs back to his car and and doesn't want to be shot.
1: Don't forget that you said that because a lot of the things that are going to happen later in this case are going to make it seem like that uh, Hayward Bissell is crazy. Mm -hmm. But Mike O'Dell, the district attorney then and still now in this part of the world, always hung on to that very single reaction that he had to a gun being pointed in his face to think... He's not crazy. Okay. He's faking it. Okay. And that's going to play into the story later. So don't, okay. don't forget right. that. Okay. And maybe we'll get Mike on the show in a few weeks and he can give us his own reaction to how that happened. We're working on it. Right? Okay. Is that a, is that a yes. can we tell that? Yes. Was I supposed to say that? Is Katie going to cut that out?
0: <laughs> you never know. She's giving me that look like
1: she's going to cut it out just There's in case it doesn't teaser.
0: happen. There's a little teaser for everybody.
1: Um. Anyway, so Bissell runs back down to his car. That. He is not the only occupant of, and Ma, we'll get to that in a moment. You're not going to like that either. And drives back in the direction that he came from. At that point down the road where Don Perch is lying in the ditch, the rescue squad's already showed up. A gentleman who drives around the neighborhood when there's an ice storm with his backhoe trying to help folks get out, uh, get their cars out of the ditch, or maybe a tree's falling in their driveway. He has stopped. And here comes Bissell again in his light blue Lincoln Town Car and tries to run them all off the road again. Takes a shot at them and keeps going. At that point, the rescue squad members who are already on the scene of this accident, and, and several, everybody is listening to their car radios. All the local police officials, uh, Valley Head, a lot of those little small towns up there that don't have a lot of police presence, but they were all out that Sunday afternoon because they all expected to be pulling folks out of the ditch or helping people get their driveways cleared because of the ice storm. So there was more than a normal police presence for a Sunday afternoon. This all happened around between three and four in the afternoon on January the 20th, uh, 23rd, 2000. So as soon as Bissell flies, does the low buzz fly through again of this crime scene, Everybody's on the radio. He's headed in this general direction. Everybody knows where that is, and that means down the hill at Mentone, and eventually going to end up in the Valley Head area. And not far past Valley Head on Road one, uh, Highway One Seventeen, I think that's a state highway, is an intersection where you can get on the interstate and get on I Fifty Nine, and then you've got a big problem. So they all realize they don't know that the guys, uh, they don't know what his thought process is yet. They,
0: all they know is is are they aware of the stab the stabbing and
1: the well all of these calls are starting coming on the radio but nobody's pieced it all together yet because this is, the same this is yeah, this is 20 minutes yeah this is 20 minutes all this right. is happening in the span of 20 minutes and so nobody's figured out that it's the same guy but
0: they're just realizing yet. this this guy's trying to run us all over he tried to run this man over same
1: car again yeah,
0: and and we don't want him getting on the interstate he's i mean he's gonna kill somebody is what yes. they're thinking
1: um, that's what they're thinking at that point. So the, they set up a roadblock in this little town. It's called, I think, Hammondville Crossroads. And it's uh, it's in the Valley Head area, but it's an intersection of a sort of a main highway and the highway that comes down the mountain. And so they kind of box him in and they get him where he can't go anywhere. And one of the deputies gets out of his car and he walks into the front of the vehicle and he holds, and I'm animating this for everybody who can't see me. Only Katie and Kelly can see <laughs> this, but I'm totally, I have a handgun made with my hands in the air right now.
0: Yeah, he's, he's totally doing the Charlie's Angels. Yes, thing.
1: that's it. That's the Charlie's Angels thing. Yeah. Um. He uh, puts his gun into the windshield that he can't really see, and it says, stop, don't move. And the guy revs, Bissell revs his engine, and he he thinks, I'm going to have to shoot this guy. He doesn't. Uh, one of the other deputies runs over, jerks the door open, and tries to grab Bissell out of the car. Don't forget, he's 6'4 four, and 400 pounds and covered in blood. So it's it's a bit of a difficulty to get him out of the vehicle. And when he finally does, everybody realizes they get him on the ground, but the car has not been placed into park. The transmission is still in drive. So it starts to roll forward. So the deputy who had to pull him out of the car jumps in, slams on the brakes and slams the transmission into park, looks over to his right and sees a dismembered human body sitting in the car beside him.
0: What? I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time?
1: A what? A dismembered human body.
0: So, like, strapped sitting.
1: into the passenger seat of this Lincoln Town car, sitting right beside him.
0: How is it? How, how is a dismembered body sitting?
1: Well, s- well, because what? About, what? about 20 minutes earlier, over in Tryon, Georgia, Hayward Bissell, who was in the car with his 24 year old girlfriend, and I've already mentioned that Hayward Bissell was six foot four, 400 pounds, his girlfriend, Patricia Ann Boer, and the mother of his unborn child. Was 24 years old and was four foot 10 and 105 pounds.
2: Mm. What, what yeah. did she see in that guy?
1: I can imagine.
0: <laughs> there yeah, was a I'm lot sorry. to see. Yeah. Um, I guess.
1: They were from a town in Ohio, and I wrote down the name of the town. Let me see if I can find it. I'm never going to find what I'm looking for. Anyway, it's a small town in Ohio that they lived in together in an apartment complex. Uh, not in the same apartment. They lived in adjacent buildings, but they'd been dating for some time. And. We'll get to the specifics of why they ended up in the car together, but generally the, the, the gist of it was that they were traveling from Ohio to Florida to visit his parents because she was newly pregnant. They were getting engaged, and he wanted to introduce her to his parents.
0: So, I mean, just a typical situation there, well,
1: right? I mean, uh, on the
0: surface? Yeah, on the surface, okay. yes. How old is he? I'm sorry. He was
1: 37 when they. He's
0: 37. She's 24. Correct. Okay, gotcha.
1: So... At some point along the way, between Ohio, somewhere around, uh, somewhere south of Chattanooga on I-75, Bissell, and they speculated later, realized he was out of money and needed to rob someone or or to find some way to get some money because they found him with a $5 bill in his pocket. And Patricia Boober had a $20 bill in her purse when this was all over with. So, they were about out of money and only about a third of the way from Ohio. Well, maybe halfway from Ohio to Florida, right? Yeah. Anyway. We don't know exactly why they detoured off the interstate, but they did, and they ended up in Tryon, Georgia. And at some point, Hayward Bissell killed his girlfriend in their car. And I'm not going to go into a lot of the details about how that happened. I'll, I'll just hit the highlights, and then if somebody else wants to dig up all the details, you can on your own. Um, when the deputy slid in beside her, her left hand was missing. Her throat was slit, and her right leg below the knee was in the back seat. Two big bloody knives laying in the car. Her eyes were also appeared to be missing. Oh, yeah.
0: I have um, no response.
1: Yeah. So that's what the deputies found themselves looking at when they got this car stopped. They've got Bissell on the ground. They finally get him to the uh, Valleyhead Police Station. I think it was Valleyhead or maybe Ider. Ider was another of the small towns uh, up on Lookout Mountain that was involved in this. And they get him into the car. They can't use handcuffs on him because the handcuffs won't fit. They had to use wow. leg, irons around, leg irons around his wrists.
0: Leg irons around his wrists. Yes,
1: to get him into the car and get him to the police station um, where they put him in a room and started trying to ask him questions about what happened. And I'm not, I didn't really work my way all the way through the transition here about how this is going to go from what sounds like a horrible murder, which it was to maybe some of the more uh, realistic reasons about why Hayward Bissell was crazy. It turns out he'd been a paranoid schizophrenic for uh, 20 years He'd been on medication for a long time. Just to run it up right to the end, a week before this happened, actually within days of this happening, he went to see the local police chief in his town of uh, Ohio. And I'm going to get that town. I know I've written it down here somewhere. uh, And to tell him to complain about the fact that his doctor had taken him off of several medications that he felt like he really needed to be on. And uh, Kelly, you're not a doctor, but uh, Haldol, Cogentin, and Prozac were three of the drugs that he had just been recently taken off of. Mm -hmm. And there was some speculation later that part of the reason why he might have had this crazy reaction Mm -hmm. to, I mean, you're going to tell us this about paranoid schizophrenia, but one of the symptoms is you hear voices in your head that tell you to do crazy things. Yes. That's what happened to Hayward Bissell. And it had been happening to him for years. He'd been fine because he'd been on this medication for some time, but his doctors had let his prescriptions lapse or didn't think he needed to be on it anymore. And he was convinced that the voices inside his head were telling him to kill his girlfriend because she was a black witch and a double agent and he worked for the Secret Service, badge number 666. And the satellite in the sky that transmitted to the receiver behind his left ear was telling him that she had to go. And that's why he did this. And it also told him that he had to run over a guy in a pickup truck and stab a man to death. So everything that happened on January the 23rd, 2000, to hear... Hayward Bissell tell it he was told to do by a geosynchronous government satellite orbiting the earth
2: so he didn't take himself off the medication like it's documented that his doctors stopped his he
1: he stopped and talked to the police uh, officer that he knew there in his town because he wanted the police officer to call his doctor and ask him to put him back on it because he didn't like the way he was reacting to the to the medicine not being in his system anymore Mm mm-hmm That's the story that I read.
0: But that's, is that from Hayward or is that from the police officer that he said? That's from
1: both of them. Okay. The both of them confirmed that he showed up on January the 20th, three days before this happened, the Thursday before this happened on Sunday and said, I need you to call my doctor. They've taken me off this medication and I don't like the way I feel right now.
0: What, what was the response of the officer?
1: The officer called the doctor and left a message and three days later before anybody, you know, it's the weekend. Okay, so nothing so happened over the weekend. Over the weekend, and this is all Sunday afternoon and bonkers.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Do we know how long he had been off of these medications? Uh,
1: recently, I I, tr- I I assume from the way the story was described, because it was the twentieth when this conversation took place with the doctor. But he had uh, mental problems going all the way back to at least there's some speculation that he, that he had them as early as high school because he he was uh, he dropped out of school in tenth grade and he did a lot of uh, illegal narcotics i don't know what it is that kicks you into an area where you have uh paranoid schizophrenia unless that, is that genetic kelly um, is that something that you can you
0: you certainly have a uh higher chance of okay. developing schizophrenia if it, if it is in your family it's kind of like with diabetes or heart okay. disease however um paranoid schizophrenia Schizophrenia is defined by uh, positive and negative symptoms. Positive symptoms being the presence of something. So if he's you know hearing voices, hallucinating by hearing, smelling, okay. seeing, um, those kinds of things.
1: He um, definitely had those. He's
0: also um, creating some sort of pattern that's not there. Having a, um, I don't know if there's something that he saw right. or something that he dreamed about or something that he, maybe on television or heard that i'm trying to figure out the message um as far as the the satellite and yeah well there were all of that together and i don't know if there was um definitely a break from reality but uh but something that he's connecting all that
1: to well let me ask you this there were several um mentions in the book of his delusions of grandeur he thought that he Mm -hmm. owned all the stores in his town and he thought that he was the most important person in the world and that nobody could do anything unless they asked him first just those sorts of
0: those are other positive symptoms of schizophrenia the the more negative uh, symptoms of schizophrenia are characterized by the absence of things so it's going to be the absence of grooming uh, the accents okay. or a okay. flat what, what we call a flat affect, which is just very um, unresponsive, very um, okay, no fluctuation in the way that you talk. You know, oh, I am not. I am not trying
1: to no, no, no. Fun. I am just saying. You, you just made a great segue because mm-hmm. when they get him into the jail cell, that is his. That's so now those we, are his we've emotions. entered we've
0: entered into so. Okay, I know you spoke earlier about um, Mike Dell who. I had suspected that he was faking right because he's been in treatment for so long. He definitely knows a lot about this. So I I would say that the ability to fake that is, is there. He's certainly capable because the knowledge is there, Yeah. but um, this is, this is very interesting to me. You you mentioned um, Haldol that he was on, which that is a, um, it is for, it's a first generation antipsychotic. Okay. Um, And so, it is used for the treatment of schizophrenia. Prozac is a uh, an antidepressant. Um, many, many, many people take Prozac and they stop taking Prozac and they're just fine. Um, they don't have any... Uh, psychotic breaks. Yeah, I'm not trying to hang the hook
1: on a doctor episode. here for taking them no, off. No, of no, it, no, no. But-
0: what was the other medication? That uh, you mentioned?
1: Cogentin. I wrote it down. C o g e n t i n. Yeah, Cogentin. Yeah. I, Cogentin. Yeah. Um, I, I okay. hope I pronounced it right.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'll do a little bit more research on this as the episode goes on. I okay. Tell you, but it's more. It, it they they use it because I kind of what. But they they use it um, for uh, Parkinson's. It's like an anti-Parkinson's. But sometimes there are other uses for medications that it's not necessarily for Parkinson's. It can have another. Not
1: listed on the menu, but it's... The doctors have realized, hey, this is good for... This is good for
0: this. So I I can uh, do a little more research on that for you, but uh, I'm not very sure. But howdall? I know that um, can... There is a study that, that we looked at during college and some um, children had gotten a hold of Haldol for um, the a parent, Like out of the prescription, like parent, yeah. uh, the, the medicine yeah. cabinet by mm-hmm. accident. Right. And it had caused um, a lot of them taking it. There were the, some middle school children and it had caused um, tardive dyskinesia, which is a, uh, a changing of your, your hands and your muscles. Like they'll kind of freeze Into a like a weird, really uncomfortable um, state and like a cramp, uh, kind of. Okay, but it, and I'm, I'm, I'm for those of you who know something about this out there, I'm extremely simplifying this, but okay, um, but it, it, they had to go into the emergency room and, and they had to sort of, um, work with them because they were in these really uncomfortable like rigid positions okay when you take it and you don't need it and um they were i'm not i don't remember exactly how they um what they used to combat that or how long they had to stay in the hospital but I do remember that with held because it is um it's an older okay. drug however uh if he's reporting these fee- these feelings to his doctor that is definitely a red flag. Mm-hmm. And I, I, uh, not just yet am I ready to say that I think he may have been faking because I, I'm, my eyebrows are, if you can see me right now, they're yeah. very high.
1: Very high. Um, well, let me I'm tell you thinking, this.
0: Like, what a an issue. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to blame a doctor. I'm not going to, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to do that because yeah, I don't know the, the whole situation. Blame. I also don't know the relationship between, Bissell and his doc and a,
1: and so sure a lot of okay. unknowns there. Well, he's a lot of that. he'd had he'd had problems with he checked himself into mental hospitals several times uh, beginning at, back as early as 1989. So this is 11 years before the incident that happens in the Mintone area. He knew that he had a problem. He had an aunt that he had given power of attorney to because he didn't trust himself to pay his bills on time and make sure that all of his stuff got done. So. Oh.
0: Can I, can I interject?
1: Sure.
0: So this medication um, that you were talking about, the-
1: Cogentin. What
0: did, co- did, what did you say? Co- co- Cogentin. Okay, so I've looked up the right one. Okay. So for this one, um, they use it because if you are on Haldol, it can give you symptoms of Parkinson's or can cause involuntary movements, um, possibly even the, the thing I was talking about earlier okay. with the children. So they it's give preventative. you that- because this other okay. drug causes a side effect. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, there you go. All right. It was a little cocktail.
1: Yeah. So uh, yeah, you got to have them all to make it work if anything's gone. And, and you know, it, it, at least according to Bissell and this uh, police officer that he knew in his town of uh, Norwalk, Ohio. I finally figured out where that was in my notes. But he'd had a history of incidents. And um, uh, there had been a, an incident with a domestic dispute. Back in 85 with his first wife. There was another incident with his second wife in in 91. Uh, He made threats to people in public places. He skulked around and stared at people, uh, including a police officer at one point. Checked himself voluntarily into mental institutions every time. And when his family would call and say, why are you letting him out? They would always say he checked himself in. He gets to leave when he wants to. That's Right? A lot of times away, a works. lot of times yeah. and then in ninety nine, uh he fell asleep while he was cooking, and uh, the police came to his house after he burned his arm and the smoke alarms went off. They figured out that he was high on marijuana, but they didn't do anything to him because no harm, no foul. But he had a mental breakdown, his words later that year. So he's in and out of mental hospitals. The guy's aware of the fact that he hears voices. He thinks the CIA or the uh, secret service is talking to him via satellites from from outer space. And sometimes he freaks out and sometimes he catches himself right before he does. And in this particular case, at least if you believe his version of the story, three days before he realized he was freaking out and he tried to get some help from the local police department. I'm certainly not defending anything that he did, Mm -hmm. but he had a long history of this tried to help himself as much as he could it seems like mm-hmm. uh but in this case the help just didn't get to him, didn't get to him in time and before anybody could stop him he had driven 800 miles south and detoured through northwest alabama northeast georgia and killed his girlfriend and tried to kill two other complete strangers today's episode is brought to you in part by a outdoor services you know they're located right here in cherokee county and i called alan myself just a few weeks ago and he and his crew came out to my house pressure washed the whole thing it looks brand new well as brand new as my house can possibly look after 25 years but all i did was call allen at 256-706-7964 he and the guys showed up and cleaned up everything it looked fantastic the pollen has fallen a little bit since then so if you haven't done this already now's the perfect time to call allen and anw outdoor services at 256-706 seven nine six four and let them do for you what they've already done for me
0: it's time to plan your best vacation ever right here in cherokee county alabama many
2: outdoor adventures await wet a hook in beautiful weiss lake swing away at cherokee pines golf club climb to the best view around at cherokee rock village hike the little river canyon national preserve take a day's long splash at pirates bay water park and much much more
1: the Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism has a full list of recommended lodging facilities, RV sites, and campgrounds. And they're all set up to suit your vacation needs, whatever they may be. So come see
0: us from wherever you are. And if you already live right here in lovely Cherokee County, plan your summer 2023 staycation with the chamber by visiting cherokee-chamber.org.
2: Are you in the market for a full-time Weiss Lake home or recreational lot? Let Trini Davis and Elizabeth Powell put their all-star property group at Keller Williams Realty to work for you. Trini and Elizabeth are locals themselves, so they know the Weiss Lake area, and with over 40 years of experience, their professional listing and buying agents, talented home stagers and photographers, and specialized marketing team will work to make your lakefront dreams come true. Check out the Keller Williams team on Facebook at All-Star Property you can also visit at All Star Property Rome to browse their images on Instagram or give them a call at 706-844-7493. That's the All Star Property Group with Keller Williams Realty at 706-844-7493. You can hit pause, call them now, and make your Weiss Lake dreams a reality.
0: And it's um. What you were telling me is interesting about the reports of that people noticed his eyes were very noticeable. Yes, and when someone is experiencing um, a psychiatric episode or, you some people say a psychotic break, you know, um, you can a lot of times see it in the eyes. They All right. they seem wild or. Um, not human or uh, something like that enraged yeah yeah, they would just
1: i think he seemed enraged to them
0: he seems yes just just really um off the off the charts there with that um so that is uh terrifying for the people around him terrifying for his family i assume that at some point it's terrifying for him um,
1: I think so. I, I think so.
0: Yeah. And and, and again, not, just to, say, not
1: to right. relieve him of the guilt for what he did. No, but.
0: no. But also the, the officers who opened up this car mm-hmm. and saw this, I mean, those are more victims of his, you know, they see the, his girlfriend there and they have to, I, I'm sure this officer um, probably still sees this,
1: Every Every day day day? of his life. And Mm -hmm. there's a section in the book that I read. Again, it's called Blood Highway by uh, Sheila Johnson. Did I get that right? Or is it Jackson? Sheila Johnson from 2004 Pinnacle Books. She follows up, because she's from this area. She reports locally from this area for the Fort Payne newspaper. And she got to know these people. These two families. I mean, it was a, it was almost a what, Katie, a two-year process before he was finally before yeah. it was finally all adjudicated and over with. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, every time there was an update or a, a development in the Hayward Bissell case, Mrs. Johnson would go back out to to the Perch family and the Pumphrey family and get an update from them. And they ended up both moving. Uh, one of them moved uh, to Colorado and owns a bed and breakfast at last report. And again, this book is 17 years old. So this was a 2004 book. Um, but they had to get out of here because they couldn't deal with the, the post-traumatic stress disorder that they suffered anymore. Driving down the same county road every day to go to the grocery store and flashbacks of this and, you know, walk out onto your front porch and see where your dogs died in a pool of blood in your front yard. Defending defending just, your life with, with the very last breath of theirs.
0: I just can't imagine. I can't yeah. imagine looking at my, They're door, both my gone front now. door every day and knowing that at one point in time, there's a 6'4", 400-pound four, man standing there trying to choke me, trying to kill me. Yeah. That's terrifying. I know I've said that so many times. I've said the word terrifying, but my gosh. But it's true. Is there a better word?
1: No. I'm not sure that there is. Okay. <clears throat> but that's, that's basically where... Uh, where we find ourselves now, and so Bissell is incarcerated, and I'm about to hand this ball off to Katie to run down into the end zone and spike.
0: Okay. And I keep interrupting, but I'm just guys, uh, those of you listening. I mean, I'm I'm sitting here. I mean, it's, I'm just, I'm hanging on every word and I have so many questions and I don't know if you, if you can answer them. Scott. I'll try. I read the but book twice, I've, so hopefully I've I can. Just, I've got to, I've got to get a handle on this. Okay. So he currently, where we are in the story is in custody. Yes. In tone? In, he's in the Fort Payne. He's, he's in the Cab the, County Jail. Cab yeah, County Jail. Yes. And he's. Got a flat affect, as we were talking. He's very, um, is he being very robotic? I'm is glad he, you
1: remember that. That's what I wanted being, to get back to. When they okay. got him into an uh, into an interrogation room, the first description of the way that he reacted when they tried to ask him things was that he was sitting um, almost catatonic-like. I don't think that word was used in the book, but kind of leaned forward with his head on his chin and not answering any questions, even the most basic, what's your name, where are you from, until finally...
0: Head, head on his chin
1: i'm sorry chin on his chest
0: okay i was like sorry how do you
1: sorry i'm I meant, sorry <laughs> i meant chin on his chest i'm so sorry just kind yeah, of lean like, forward and you know okay. so, out of it okay okay and until finally they asked him something and i don't remember the exact question but he finally started to come to katie you remember this part did you did you read that section where he finally he, he finally answered a question he said um my foot hurts or because when they got him out of the car the car ran over his one of his ankles when they were trying to get him on the ground, the car's in park, or the car's not in park, and it starts to roll forward, and it runs over one of his legs. So he's in a little bit of pain, and he finally just starts to respond to them. But when they try to get to the bottom of what's going on, they read him his Miranda rights and make sure that he knows that he can have an attorney present if he wants. And he says, no, I'll answer your questions. That's what he said. He said, no, I'll, be, I'll, I'll answer your questions. I don't need an attorney. I will answer your questions. And he starts to tell them. That's when they first realize that he is a secret service agent, badge number 666, and a satellite in outer space told him to kill his girlfriend. So
0: that's what that's what he's telling them in the
1: That's inter- the first story that's- he tells on the first day. They finally get him into a uh, into an inter- interrogation room. And Danny Smith, our, our good friend Danny Smith, who is on the rescue squad now are, and has been an investigator for the 9th District uh, for a long time, back to when this case happened, he knows about it. His daughter, uh, Leanne, told me about it. And I think that's how I knew that this was even a thing that happened because I don't remember... And I lived here.
2: I I was the editor of the local
1: freaking newspaper and I don't remember this.
0: Yeah. You missed that story. I did. That's because you are a mediocre journalist.
1: I am a mediocre <laughs> journalist. All the proof you need.
0: Now I don't remember hearing about this, anyway. uh, so <clears throat> they're <laughs> wanting to do, and and I am I am I am laughing because I am uncomfortable. I am not laughing because it's funny. Yes, um, they're at this point. Are they wanting to get a psych eval
1: first thing that happens? I
0: mean, they're they well, saying. Well, now we've got to go get ahead. This, Ka- this, okay. this is
1: Katie's job. Go okay. ahead, well, Katie. Got gotcha.
2: you. When he was arrested, though, do you remember what happened when he was first? took to his jail cell? Yes. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
1: He destroyed his jail cell. He ripped all... They they put him in the basement, uh, in one of the cells in the basement, and it was where all the water pipes were located, and he proceeded to go nuts and rip all the pipes off the wall and strip naked and started eating his own feces out of the toilet at one point. Um, Kind of nuts. And so some people think he's making this up. He's just acting, and the more I read... That is committed. If you're going to eat your own poop... That is committed. The more I read, the more I think that the guy really was just nuts. It wasn't like he just made it up on January the 23rd to try to get out of a murder charge. He'd been doing this for 20 years, 15 years.
2: Yeah. I mean, he flooded the, he flooded the jail. It, it was so bad it took so long to clean up that like they had to suspend all visitation for all inmates right. for a while.
1: Yeah, this happened on Sunday. They were supposed to have visitation on Tuesdays and Saturdays at the DeKalb County Jail on Tuesday. A bunch of people showing up from out of town to see their relatives who are inmates. And Sheriff Cecil Reed has to say, nope, sorry, folks, you got to go home today. Visitation is canceled. We have a situation downstairs.
0: I would say so. Yes. Yeah. Situation.
1: Quite a situation. And so the next thing that happens, you want to talk about Mike Odell and the uh, the the bond? Was it a bond hearing that they had the next day in the cell when he's still naked?
0: Yeah, it was a bond so hearing. Yeah. He's yeah. not put any clothes back on, and it's been twenty four well, hours. They can't get
2: him to like he's he's so big that there's, mm-hmm. you know, I guess short of tranquilizing him, mm-hmm. there's no one that can get any clothes on. So yeah, they have they have a bond hearing, and it becomes really like a press circus. Like is he is.
0: Yeah, is he giving a reason why he can't put clothes on, or why he? he I think he's
1: just generally acting nuts, and I think that people are. And I hate to use a a base term like nuts to describe someone who obviously has mental issues, but he's acting, um, nuts. Yeah. Right. And they can't figure out what to do. And hes it's not like he's Katie's size or any of our sizes. And they can get in there and two people can hold him and pull a shirt over him.
0: I'm not so sure that even in a psychiatric hospital that you would have people trained to effectively deal with this situation. Right. And so what you have are you have prison or ga- jail guards who certainly are not trained in how to deal yeah. with well, this Kate, type of situation. Katie and help- that's, again, I'm not... That's not on them. That's not their sure. fault. I'm just saying this is a this is a nightmare for them. This yes. is this is a nightmare for a lot of people.
1: Cecil Reed, the sheriff at the time, uh, mentioned that several times in the book. That man, I'll be glad when we get rid of this guy because he's been a nightmare. Uh, I can imagine. Right? But Katie, help me with a timeline about exactly what happens. So they they do the bond hearing,
2: right, and then they send him. To be evaluated. That's
1: the from- in- Randall Cole sends him to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Judge Randall Cole sends him to Tuscaloosa to be evaluated at Bryce Hospital.
2: Yes. Yeah, so he okay. spends two months there, and uh, they do their evaluations, and he is determined mentally ill at the time. And they, but he's like he's determined mentally ill, he stays in the hospital for two months. They get his medication worked out. They get him calmed back down. They get him back to I don't want to say normal. That. They get him back the, the to more, a, a um, more of a sane typical, state, yeah. More typical, more behavior. typical behavior. Okay. Yes. Medicated,
1: normal, maybe. Okay.
2: And so he is deemed able to be sent back to jail. So they send him back to the jail. He's medicated, like I said. Once he shows up, he's a different person. They're like, "Oh," because they were really worried about him coming back. He'd lost forty pounds in two months, and came back, and he was had grown a little little beard which was looked completely
1: like a different person he was, Sheila Johnson, he was well said.
2: groomed and he was acting more typical he was quiet subdued i don't think
1: they never had i don't think they ever had another problem with him again after he came back and they got his medication right which makes you wonder if he hadn't had his medication all fucked up to start with maybe he wouldn't have killed somebody and tried to yeah. kill two other he
2: people. was he, w- he was very quiet he didn't go he didn't leave his sale much he didn't want to go on the yard, do the activities and yeah, like that.
1: He stayed in his cell. I mean, he, they said he was white as a sheet every time they took him out. Every time this reporter, every time she saw him and she said, every time they took him out of his cell to go somewhere else, I was there and I took his photograph and he looked like a completely different person every time he ever came out of his cell, whether it was his skin was pale or he had a, his hair was different or he'd lost another 30 pounds. I think at the end, he was down to half his body. I mean, he was 200 pounds by the time they got him out of there at the last two years later when it was all over, right?
2: Yes, I mean he
1: lost half his body weight in the two years he was in DeKalb County. Not because they don't feed him well, but just because he probably didn't binge eat and go crazy and mm-hmm. keep saying go well, crazy. And well, I don't mean another, to make light of that.
0: Another effect, Prozac is also used to to treat binge eating. Okay, as well.
1: Did not know that.
0: So that I don't know if they got him back on that particular drug, but. Um, i know that that's one of the uses okay. for it so it doesn't make sense as to why he might have been on it as as far as d- depression i mean not the obvious reason
1: yeah well and, and one of the things that was happening in that interim i guess and i'm curious to see what katie says about this all of the while that was happening <clears throat> excuse me there was a there was a conversation going on between prosecutors in northeast alabama and northwest georgia about exactly where the murder of patricia ann boer took place because that would determine who prosecuted the case. And there was a big difference in case law between Alabama and Georgia about what to do with somebody who is mentally unstable. Katie, you want to, I know you know this.
2: So in Trine, in the parking lot where it is deemed that the, that's in Georgia, in Trine, Georgia, there was a parking lot with a big blood stain in it, big blood puddle, puddle of blood. And Trine, Georgia, and Mentone, Alabama are not that far apart from each other. They're just basically right across the line from each other. So it's like, oh, we have a murder that a dead body found in Mentone, and there's this huge puddle of blood in Trine. So that was easily correlated, or, you know, at least, yeah. hey, let's check this out.
1: Once they found it. I mean, Once it, they found it, there's it. snow on the ground, there's ice, it's January, it's cold. They eventually found it, but it took some time.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, not not entirely too long, but it, it wasn't immediate. And so Mike Odell, to bring him back up, he is convinced this whole time that's where that that's where this murder took place because you know once they find her, once they find her in Mentone, she's been dismembered and she's in the car and everything else. So they go back and forth though they they have to prove it. You know it has to be because they found the body in Alabama. So to be able to prosecute it in Georgia, they have to. There's there's some legwork that has to be done. Once he is determined mentally ill at the time of the murder. Everyone knows that the defense attorney is going to use that as a defense. So in Alabama, that defense is called pleading guilty by reason of mental disease or defect. And in the state of Alabama, that would mean you go to a mental hospital. And then you are released once the doctors determine that you are no longer a danger to yourself or others. Released you are released and back you are back into public and you are uh once you are deemed competent for release you are not held accountable for any of the actions that happened while you were determined to be mentally diseased or
0: so even if the hospital keeps you for 2 months that's it
2: it the quote in this case was he could be there 10 months he could be there 10 years he could be there for the rest of his life but there it's but once it's out they of the courts say hands.
0: he's finished here then he's finished. Yes, and okay. there's
2: there's no going back and retrying the case. There's no, and that's Alabama. That's Alabama. Okay, what about Georgia? In Georgia, it's called pleading guilty, uh, pleading guilty but mentally ill. So that means that the courts decide where you go. You can you can go to a correction facility like a mental hospital, correction facility, or the state penitenti- penitentiary. Oh.
1: You're gonna that get word.
2: it. State penitentiary. <laughs> I couldn't
1: say it either right now. Whatever. This is the
2: state penitentiary. Yes, state okay. penitentiary. Yeah. Okay. Any such institution that the commissioner of the Department of Corrections directs. So it's all under. Still that department of corrections so instead could, of going to the hospital. You could
0: go to prison, but they're gonna make sure that you get your antipsychotic meds yes. and things like that. It's a Georgia. chance
1: it's a chance to spend the rest of your life in prison in Georgia that you would never get in Alabama. And I don't I'd love to if we get Mike in here one day, I'd love to know how that conversation went where they realized we need to make sure this man never walks down the street again. And I don't think anything untoward happened here. I think the murder was committed in Tryon, Georgia, but luckily, that's the way it happened because we've all learned today that when Hayward Bissell was on his medication, he was reasonably normal member of society.
2: And there, you know, that was the argument they made. How can you guarantee that someone is going to continue to take the, their medication for the rest of their life? So yeah, they they really wanted him to be tried in Georgia because that would mean that he would go to prison. But like I said, it is under the he would be under doctor supervision and they would keep his medication going and and he would be, well, I mean, like all all well, inmates are, they, they have health care in, in sure. prison.
1: But he's not absolving himself of responsibility in Georgia by pleading guilty by reason of mental defect like he would be in Alabama. But He's basically saying, Katie, mm-hmm. get, me, get me right here. He's basically saying, look, I was crazy when this happened. When you get me fixed, I can go back into society again. And Georgia's like, nope you were crazy, we're going to get you fixed, but you still killed somebody and you're still going to jail for the rest of your life. Right.
0: right.
2: And currently in Alabama, he he has charges in Alabama currently. Attempted murder. Attempted murder of Perch and Pumphrey. Yeah. So he's he's in jail for those two charges and he there's a court date coming up for them. He's been indicted and there's a jury convening and all that is... Still moving forward in Alabama as they're really? trying to get him. I have no idea. They're trying to get him indicted in Georgia. They have the blood tested in the Trine parking lot and it is determined to be Boers. Boo. Mm. So they do indict him in Georgia and he is transferred from the DeKalb County jail. They take him to Somerville and put him in jail in Somerville, Alabama, which is right next to Trine for those who aren't from here. He's indicted in Georgia. February 5th, 2002, uh, just a little over two years after the murder was committed. And he, like I said, he pleads guilty, but guilty, but insane is the plea. And he is sentenced to life in prison okay. in Georgia is how that works. You know, that they don't, they don't give the death penalty to guilty, but insane. Right. And, but he can, there's a chance for parole.
1: I suppose so, right? I mean, as far as we know, he's still incarcerated today.
2: Yeah, it said, uh, from all the research I did, he would have been up for parole in February 2016, but I could not find if a parole hearing actually happened. And from everything I've read, you know, we've seen a lot of crazy things happen in Alabama parole hearings, but in Georgia, apparently the system's a little different. It's a little harder to get parole on a first parole hearing in Georgia from everything that Mike O'Dell wasn't worried about him getting paroled in Georgia. The prosecutors in Georgia weren't worried about the possibility of him getting paroled in Georgia. They were like Georgia Parole Board's not going to not going to parole him.
1: All right.
2: Well and then it, but those DeKalb County cases were still there and so as a part of that plea deal they agreed to nullify those there's a Latin term but they agreed to nullify those charges in Alabama because they didn't want to deal with ever having to bring him back to Alabama. Right. And they waited a year to see if he would appeal his conviction or his if he would appeal his case in Georgia, and he didn't. And after that, they signed the agreement to nullify his, with permission from the victims, the victims did not. They were like, yes, if he's going to spend the rest of his life in a Georgia prison, we don't want to deal with ever having to go to court on it. Yeah, because they moved to, off. Yeah. They don't want
1: to come back and They're testify. Like, we just
2: want to be done. We want, we don't want to think about this guy anymore. Right.
1: Um, and just while this is on my mind, and it's something I just, I, I stumbled across and I wanted to write it down because there's there were charges that, that Bissell abused uh, Mrs. Boer Miss Brewer before she was killed. And each of his first two wives were also abused. And I ran across this number. It's the National Domestic Violence Hotline. And if you ever feel like you're a victim of domestic violence, you can call 800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E. Uh, and you can get advice and referrals to agencies in your area. So if anybody out there feels like they're... could end up like one of these people we've talked about today, please accept our advice as maybe the best advice you've ever had in your life and call somebody and get the hell out of that situation before you end up on this podcast, because we don't want you to ever end up on this podcast. We don't want anybody to, but all these things happened before we started. So um,
0: exactly do That's, that. that. That's great information. Thank you for sharing for that. So <clears throat> Hey, Bissell still in prison, still in, in prison in Georgia. And I'm not sure that they will be interested in releasing him.
1: Well, I hope not. I mean, the the poor bastard. I mean, it. You know, if you boil it down to brass tacks, it's not his fault. He was just probably born with this. At the time he was a young adult, it uh, presented itself, and he needed to be medicated to live somewhat of a normal life. And when he wasn't medicated properly, he did crazy things, and this was the craziest thing he ever did. Unfortunately, ended up with him being in jail for the rest of his life.
0: It is. It's such a bizarre story because yeah. to have him go away for two months and then. To come back it's uh it, and be a completely different person. It's such a sad story
1: it is it's, for it's, a lot of a lot of people and a lot of families that he affected
0: I, right, and I'm not trying to be a um, a sympathizer with him or or take anything from all of these victims. There's many victims here we've talked about that, sure, from the people that he directly attacked to the the officers who had to respond and deal with with this as he. was enraged and the way that he behaved.
1: Yeah, but I'm curious to ask Mike O'Dell the difference between Judith Ann Neely and Hayward Bissell as far as a, from a prosecutor's standpoint, because Judith Ann Neely wasn't mentally uh, ill. She was just a bad person. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, this guy was, he was chemically imbalanced.
2: Well, from what I've read in this book, Mike Odell said he put more work into this case than he did the Judith and Neely case. He did say that. And but from what I read too, and I don't know if this is a direct quote from him or not he he's not he's not buying that this guy is nope. as mentally ill as as we're buying. Mm-hmm. And there's got to
0: be a reason for that. So that it will be interesting and to he was certainly,
1: talk his, with him yeah, about that. He had his ear closer to the rail of this story than we have just doing you know, a couple days of research. He lived it for two years. So I'm curious to see what Mike says about this, if we can get him on.
0: And so this book that you guys- Red seems like a really great book, a really great resource for this. And so uh, great job. And shout out to the author. Uh, Say her name one more time. I circled Uh, it so uh,
1: I wouldn't forget it. The book is Blood Highway. Her name is Sheila Johnson. Uh, That was printed in 2004 from Pinnacle Books. I got it on Amazon for not mm-hmm. too much money at all. And it was about 250, 275 pages. A really good read.
2: I downloaded it on my Kindle for like two bucks. That's it. Gotcha.
0: So did you guys get a sense that she was sympathizing with Bissell or just strictly no. telling no. the story? I thought Mm-mm. she walked or right she w- down the middle. She, she was a did. reporter.
1: She, okay. Okay. She's a. She's not a mediocre journalist. She's a good journalist. And she <laughs> walked. I thought she walked right down the middle of the road and told the story, both sides of the story, just the facts, ma'am. I don't remember one single time where she interjected anything that sounded like mm-hmm. her own personal thoughts or emotions into the story. And that's the way you're supposed to be a journalist.
0: Mm-hmm. And this one does leave your head scratching as to what you think the right thing to do is. And I think, I think as law enforcement, as a, at Mike O'Dell, all, you know, all of these people that we we are bringing up, their job is to protect the citizens. And, mm-hmm. and I think probably, gosh, is a, the best thing maybe for, for Hayward Bissell and for society I, is, I mean, he needs help. He I, needs, think he, he needs, um, I think it's the best outcome. He needs someone who's going to help him monitor his medication. And I hate to say that, that someone just, you know, needs to just better be better off behind away. bars and for the rest of their it's life. It's such a terrible thing to say. And like I said, this mm. is such a, such a sad story. And I, I I feel for the family of of Patricia Ann who, you know, has, they have to live with the fact of this is how their, their loved one was killed. And just,
2: right, it wasn't her fault, you know, that his medication, oh, yeah. you know. It no. wasn't correct. And it's... No. But she
1: had no idea. I mean, she'd never... According to the book, she'd never even had an experience like this. I think he'd hit her once, but it wasn't a mental episode. It was just an abusive husband type of situation, no. which doesn't make any less so that doesn't of help, a bad no. person. right? But it wasn't anything that you could ascribe to a mental health issue. This
0: level it's of... Just
1: an anger issue. Okay,
0: Okay.
1: Uh, so she'd never really seen... And there may be. She had. She that. didn't see this coming. She might have been scared of him. She might have been afraid she was going to get punched or slapped or abused physically in some small way for mm-hmm. some slight. I don't think she ever thought she was going to mm-hmm.
0: and And do you know why he chose the Pumphreys?
1: Uh, according to the story he told in jail, it was just uh, the voice inside his head was telling him that he needed to uh, ram a pickup truck. Or I, maybe G just saw the pickup truck in the road and the voice in his head said, you need to ram this truck and kill the person in it.
2: Well, the Pumphreys were the ones at the house.
1: I'm sorry. That was the purchase. Uh, yeah. On the, the Pumphreys who were at their house, uh, it was the same voice in his head saying, you need to go Just random. A random. Yeah. There was no.
0: Wrong place, wrong time. There yeah. was no, this house is green and therefore green is yeah. the color that I'm, you know, that, that sort of.
1: That wasn't the story that he told, but it was okay. something just as random. It was okay. the voice inside my head said, I need to go kill somebody.
2: Mm-hmm. He was He was, He was. was on a mission.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was on a mission. He had to kill the black witch uh, and the double agent and then do this thing and this thing. And, you know, his mission was over maybe, or maybe it would have continued if it had, we'll never know. Mm. But yeah, it was, it's a really sad story. And one of the most interesting that, that I have been uh, asked to tackle since we started doing this. And when I started reading it, I wasn't very, I didn't like it. I didn't, I I don't want to say I didn't want to do it. I just didn't think it was going to be something that was going to be interesting to me. But by the time I was 30 pages in, I was like, holy cow, this is amazing.
0: And we would love to hear what what you guys think. We would love to hear, Mm -hmm. um, what people think about this. So you can you can email us now. Yes. So you can email us. You can, you know, comment on our Facebook. Yeah. Social media
1: platforms. Instagram Katie yeah. and
0: tell us tell us what you think about this. This one leaves our heads uh, scratching and or us scratching our heads. Yeah, we our heads aren't scratching. <laughs> but this leaves us okay, so now we have to do some shout outs. Okay. So let's do those. I Are have one. Uh, yeah, go I, ahead. Go well ahead.
1: we've taken a couple of weeks off. Yep. Uh, and we're just back in the studio today for the first time since yep. uh, end of June. And I got a call from my cousin, Mark Gossett, who was on the way to the beach a couple of weeks ago. It was on a, I think it was on a Saturday or a Friday. It was, it was a random day. And he said, hey man, I just wanted to call you and let you know that uh, I, my wife Pam and I are driving down in one car to the beach. And my son and his friends are driving down in another car. And I just called my son and said, hey, are you listening to the latest episode of True Crime on Easy Street? And he's like, dad, we've already finished it. We're on to the next one. Oh, so a huge hey, shout out to the Gossip yeah. family for listening to the podcast. Thank you, guys. Mm-hmm.
0: I would like to give a shout out to Miss Karen Boatville. Miss k Oh, yeah. Thank you for hey, listening. K-Bo. Yes. I also want to give a shout out to, I mentioned her in a previous podcast as my college roommate. Her name is actually Elizabeth
1: Baker. Oh, you didn't say that. She's always giving us thumbs up and stuff. Thanks, Elizabeth, for
0: all of that. Uh, A big shout out to Jamie Talent who gave us some great ideas for some cases. Okay, cool. Yeah, I
1: saw him a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I also want to say, Steve, thank you for the email and gave us a great case idea. We're going to get to your case.
1: Okay. Yeah. Do I know what you're talking about?
0: Uh,
2: I don't know if you checked the email or not. Yeah. Oh, you you
1: assume that I checked the email. I was waiting to hear from you guys oh. about that.
0: And uh, so we, okay, then we have a few. Katie, go ahead. Yeah, a few go. on our uh, Apple
2: podcast. We've got Dirty Ginger. We don't Ooh, know your exact that's name. That's okay. That was your like you. handle. I kind of like
1: the mystery of that. I, I kind of like not thank knowing you who that is. thank you for the
2: great review. And Caitlin Jolly. Yes. yes. Caitlin is uh, the daughter of Bo Jolly, a oh, local yeah. deputy. And uh, she has actually gave us a couple of... Mm-hmm case I, recommendations I, as yes, well. That's great. To uh, thank I you for to, the review. I
1: talked to Bo last week. Uh, he and some of the other deputies were sitting in one of the local restaurants here in town and I was telling them about the show and they'd listened to it or at least heard of it and there's a show that's coming up uh, that I think we're going to do that Bo will be very vital in us getting some good, accurate information about the details and he said he was willing to do that to help us out. Awesome. So, that's
0: yeah. great.
2: And then Brookie16. Okay. We don't know who that is. Don't know either. who that is thank, that's you okay. thank, one, you, thank you for the
0: wonderful uh, review. I, I like the randomness that. of that. I do too. I love it. Uh, We also have uh, GU312. Oh. Capital G, lowercase U, 312. Thank you for the wonderful review on Apple Podcast. And finally, last but not least, I want to say a shout out to Cindy Turner. Oh, yes. She was at our live show the other Uh night. Um, And so thank you for listening. We appreciate that. Cindy is actually my sister-in-law.
1: That's right. And she pulled me aside. I I shop in her grocery store over in Cedar Bluff and she pulled me aside uh, one day and said, I just want you to know I've listened to all of them so far. I think we had eight (laughs) or nine at the point. She said, I've listened to all of them. I love them. Keep doing it. And I said, they won't let me stop trust me we're going to keep doing
0: (laughs) so if you want to get a shout out just make sure and give us a five-star review on apple podcast yeah otherwise kiss our
1: butts yeah
0: (laughs) and 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 you have to comment if you just give us a five-star we don't know that you've done that so you give us a little a little communication there or you can uh, let us know uh, through our social media platforms instagram facebook uh whatever else
1: yeah, or in I person think i think so we're many, on all but yeah. you know
2: we're not great about updating we're gonna do better
1: we're all in the community we get so many of these in person that mm-hmm. we just and I'll, that's my favorite thing is to be walking through and somebody go hey listen to listen yeah. to the new one last night keep it going I, I that's know. my I favorite that. thing
0: it is my favorite thing so tell your friends tell your acquaintances tell your enemies tell your tell your your colleagues, I mean, tell your yeah. mother-in-law
1: that you can't freaking stand to listen to true crime on exactly. Easy Street because we exactly. don't care that we'll you give don't her a like shout her. Out. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: yeah, we love that. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> i love my mother-in-law whatever by the way. Yeah, he's not talking about me or killing Present <laughs> no, no, company saying. excluded i apologize just saying so thank you to all of you lovely people and i want to go over one more thing and i promise i'll shut up but our, our um email address and it is true crime on easy street at gmail.com all of that true crime on easy street all lowercase all one word. We don't need capital letters
1: Mm-mm. or hyphens or
0: spaces, but honestly
2: it doesn't matter. You can throw in a capital. It'll still get to us, That's okay, true. But,
0: but only the T, right? Damn it. Katie, you're confusing
1: everybody. <laughs> okay.
0: Just, just type true crime on easy street. All one word, all lowercase at gmail.com. Give us some wonderful feedback. Give us a, an idea for a case. Um, t- Tell us what you have for dinner
1: yeah, and give you a shout out. Uh,
0: exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's time to end this. Seems like we're just <laughs> Anyways, rambling at this point. Yes,
0: yes. Thank you so much. You guys have a great week.
1: Good night, everybody.